Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, truly, He is risen indeed. And uh, so, Lord, we just commit this message to you. And uh, Lord, we just pray right now, Lord, for the church throughout this nation. Lord, that you are going to have your way, Lord God, that, that Lord, we believe for, for freedom and liberty, Lord God, um, of, of worship, Lord, to return to this land. We pray that you will make a way. We pray, Lord God, for, Lord, bringing an end to this virus, Lord God, and uh, we trust you and believe that you are making a way, Lord, as only you can. And we commit this to you, Lord. And uh, like the Bible says, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Truly, our eyes are upon you today, Lord. Amen. So, uh, the message today is Christ, our Passover. And I'd like to read 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 and 8 in the uh, Passion Bible. Uh, and it says, Boasting over your tolerance of sin is inappropriate. Don't you understand that even a small compromise with sin permeates the entire fellowship? Just a little leaven permeates a batch of dough. So remove every trace of your leaven of compromise with sin so that you might become new and pure again. For indeed you are clean because Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So now we can celebrate our continual feast, not with the old leaven, the yeast of wickedness or bitterness, but we will feast on the freshly baked bread of innocence and holiness. The New Living says, your boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing the wicked person from among you. Then you will be a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, uh, which is what you truly are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Hallelujah. So let's celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. So Christ is our Passover, but what exactly does this mean? And what does this have to do with Easter anyway? Because, you know, it's beyond doubt that our generation has not only lost uh, its understanding of the Jewish roots of our faith, but also of the deep uh, significance and meaning of Easter. Because, you know, clearly it's not about chocolate eggs or Bunny rabbits, any more than Christian, Christmas is about a fat man in a red suit um, flying through the air. You know, Satan has deliberately sought to bury eternal truth beneath meaningless fables and pointless traditions and rituals. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, uh, today we're going to be talking about Christ, our Passover. And I really believe this message will help you. And it will, I believe... It will, it will really change your relationship with God if you can grasp what I'm talking about today. And, and so, again, I'm, I'm, I think it's important, uh, you know, when I talk about Easter, uh, you know, I use that word without apology. And, you know, I find it deeply offensive uh, that some Christians insist on referring to it as a pagan celebration. And I don't know what you're celebrating. But as for me, this is the time of year when we remember and celebrate uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, our Savior. And, and yes, I, I get, yes, you know, that we should celebrate the resurrection every day. But you know what? Just as we can celebrate the birth of Christ every day, and yet Christmas is that season when we do so officially every year, so too Easter and Passover is set, is set apart to celebrate the lamb that was slain for us. Um, I want to read this quote by U.S. journalist and author Marvin Olasky. And he said, Passover and Easter are the only Jewish and Christian holidays that move in sync. Like the ice skating pairs we saw during the Winter Olympics. And you know, it's interesting that both Jew and Christian celebrate a lamb at this sacred season of Passover. A lamb was brought... Uh, you know, a lamb that brought deliverance 
and healing, uh, protection, freedom, and forgiveness. Because the Old Testament reveals, um, or, or rather the New Testament reveals what the Old Testament has hidden in types and shadows. As someone once said, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And therefore, it's so important as believers that we are reading both and that we feed upon both because, you know, one uh, in, in a way reveals the other. And so the, the Passover to Jews is a celebration of the covenant that they have as God's chosen people. But to us as Christians, however, it's a reminder that we serve a loving God who delivers his people from sin and slavery and who knows the end from the beginning and who thousands of years ago was already declaring the gospel of salvation through types and symbols. And we see Christ as our sacrificial Passover lamb bearing the sins of mankind so that God's judgment passes over rather than coming upon us. And the very first word spoken by Christ in the New Testament, Luke chapter 2 and verse 40, and uh, thank you Jesus, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And just for the sake of time, uh, Jesus got uh, separated from them. They were on their way back. They thought he was with them. Every parent's nightmare. And so they went back to Jerusalem. And it was after three days they found him in the temple, uh, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answered. And so when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your uh, father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And um, But they did not understand the statement he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in his heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So the very first words recorded of Christ speaking in the Bible, interestingly, were spoken during Passover. And I don't believe that that was a coincidence. And it's also interesting, his final words occurred during Passover as he was hanging on that cross. And so, again, uh, even those who rejected Jesus Christ as Messiah um, accept the historical fact that Jesus died at Passover. Now, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 1, it says, Now came to pass when Jesus had finished all these things that he said to his disciples, You know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered to be crucified. Amen. And so the passion of Christ took place on the week of Passover. Clearly, this wasn't a coincidence. This was by God's sovereign design for it wasn't that Christ was somehow seeking to fit within the mold of the Passover, um, but rather uh, that he was, the Passover was a literal foreshadow of him. And therefore, it was inevitable that he would be fulfilling, that there would be so many parallels between him and the Passover lamb, because it wasn't that Christ was trying to be like the Passover, the Passover was a, a foreshadow of Christ himself. And um, I want to read this book, by uh, this quote by Melanie Leach. By connecting Passover, Holy Week, and Easter, we bridge the Old and New Testaments and can see the overarching theme of God's redemptive acts on behalf of his people. Passover and Easter, it's not either or, it's both. And that's why, again, I don't side with those Christians who decide to reject Easter and say it's just Passover, or those who say, um, you know, it's Easter and reject Passover. You know, the, the two are very much interlinked, and we will see this today as we look at the Passover lamb. The disciples in the early church, being primarily Jewish, understood what much of the church has since forgotten, and that is that Christ is our Passover. He is the fulfillment of the shadows and types and symbols in the Old Testament, in particular, in his role as the spotless lamb of God. Now Luke chapter 22 and verse 7. Here Jesus was talking to Peter. And um, then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And again, the irony uh, of, of, of this verse, when we think about how on one level the Passover lamb was being killed, but also God's Passover was about to be killed. 
And this is the timing of God. And, um, and, and he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. And he said to them, where do you want us to prepare? He said, behold, when you've entered the city, man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him to the house where he enters. And you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where's the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room there make ready. So they went and found just as he said to them and they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you that I will um, no longer eat of this until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in, in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with you on the table. And truly, the Son of Man goes as it has been determined by him. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to question among themselves which of them it would, uh, who would do this thing. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them would be considered greatest. And, and you know, it's, it's amazing that at this stage, and, and I love the, the way Christ didn't quit, um, some of us would have quit at this stage, you know, when after all of the teachings and all of the example and all of the things Jesus did, that here on the eve of his execution, they're arguing and bickering over who's going to be the greatest, over who's going to have the, 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 the title of being chief and who's going to be in control and you know etc etc so much of, of, of what happens you know are, are, are so many things that go wrong in church I think are rooted in in that 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 sin of pride and ambition and here they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest and he said to them the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors but not so among you on the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. He who governs as he who serves. You know, we've seen people who've left church and they've left ministries simply because they couldn't lead. And, and again, that's the completely wrong motivation. You know, that unless I'm in control and I'm, I'm the boss, I'm not going to serve. No, we have to have a heart to serve. And who is greater, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Uh, is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I'm among you as one who serves. You see, Christ told Peter to prepare the Passover. And the next chapter, he's literally hanging on the cross. Here, chapter 22, he says, prepare the Passover. Chapter 23, he's hanging on the cross. The, uh, uh, Luke 23 and, um, and verse 33. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals on the right hand and on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And so, again, it, it, the fact that all this occurred in Passover was no coincidence because if you read the Gospels many times the, the people tried to take him they tried to kill him and, and each time he would walk away probably because it wasn't his time but now Passover had come and Christ's time had come and so again Jesus Christ fulfilled the symbolism in the Passover meal as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1, 29. And in light of this, the, the Last Supper takes on a much deeper meaning than Christ simply breaking bread with his disciples before he suffers and dies, um, or even to, to celebrate the Passover meal as, as, uh, as devout Jews have done for, for thousands of years. No, he clearly indicated that he was God's Passover lamb crucified and sacrificed on our behalf the fulfillment of all that God had promised through prophets priests and kings Revelations 13 8 talks about the lamb slain from the foundation of the world amen so this was no accident this was all orchestrated by God you know this wasn't ultimately as a consequence of the Jews or the Romans or anyone else it was God that placed Christ on that cross and so if we truly understand this it will change our perspective perspective on life because when I see Christians racked with guilt and anxiety and, and fear and shame hoping that God has forgiven them I know one thing and that is they don't understand Passover 
They don't, and, and I've had many Christians tell me, oh, well, you know, I hope I'm forgiven. I hope uh, everything is all right. No, when you understand the Passover, you will have confidence with God. You will have confidence before, before men, before devils, and before God himself, because you will recognize it is not based on your performance. It is based on his. Amen? And so, uh, 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 hallelujah. I'm sorry. Today, I'm just... Uh, uh, I don't mean to be stuttering, but um, glory to Jesus. I have a lot to say. So I want to take you back 3,400 years to the Jewish people who at that stage had been captives in Egypt for 430 years. Now, that's a long time. Let me give you some perspective. 432 years ago, the Spanish Armada was defeated. Many of, them, many of the ships... Uh, sinking off the west coast of Ireland in a storm um, uh, w with the loss of over 6,000 people. And um, so it was 1591 or two or something like that. I, I can't remember the exact year, but it was exactly 432 years ago the Spanish Marta sunk. And like I said, 6,000 men lost. And it wasn't surprising, bearing in mind that King Philip the, II of Spain put an aristocrat with no naval experience in charge over all of these ships and thousands and thousands of men uh, in the region of somewhere between 17 to 24 of these huge ships were wrecked off the Irish coast. And you know, the names of the captains and the, the ships are, are long forgotten because as we can see, 430 years is a very long time. And so in the same way, as long as they could remember and beyond, the Israelites had been slaves as had their fathers been before them. Literally generation after generation had lived and died in poverty and despair, uh, suffering under the Egyptian masters. And again, like I said, for some perspective, um, uh, I mean, the, the, the famine only uh, occurred in the uh, 1540. Seven was it? Some something like that. I mean, that's that's literally, you know, a little over 160 or 70 years ago. This nation was in famine, where over a million people died, and yet the Israelites, 432 years. So uh, that was a very long time uh, ago. And you know, for those of us who have been locked in lockdown for over a year, you know, we long for liberty. So how much more, uh, much how much more must the Israelites have longed? to be free of their shackles and their chains. Amen? And so, this is why we come to the amazing story of Passover. The story of, of how God delivered over two million people from sin and slavery through the blood of a lamb and how God brought them out free from sickness and disease. Psalm 105.37 says, he also brought them out with silver and gold and there was none feeble among his tribes. Think about the injuries, think about the malnutrition and the physical abuse and etc. Um, you know, the, the, the shape this people must have been in um, as a consequence of being slaves and yet the Bible says he brought them out, there was none feeble among their tribes. Even the older people. I, I, and so this is why it's important. It's not just about protection when we talk about the Passover lamb. It is deliverance, protection, healing, provision. The Bible says he brought them out with an abundance. Amen. And so again, I believe the curse is broken through the blood of the lamb. And so in the same way, Christ, our Passover, can set us free and make us whole. Whether it's addiction, abuse, sickness, shame, whatever it is, it's broken in Jesus' name. So I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 12 and <clears throat> verse uh, 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or the goats and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house when they eat it. Amen. Verse 13. Verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on this night, and I will strike the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. 
Amen. And so this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. And this is the fascinating thing about the Jewish people. 3,400 years later, the Jewish people are still celebrating Passover. I think that is a beautiful thing. And, and, and so here God says that, uh, you know, the destroyer, it says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Amen? And so the blood that marked the doorposts was symbolic of the blood of Jesus that would one day be poured out at the cross. And Revelations 1 verse 5, and it says... To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in, in his own blood. It says, uh, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to our God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Hebrews 10 and verse 10. By that will we've been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. You see, the Passover lamb was an annual sacrifice. It was a bit like road tax. At the end of the year, you had to pay it again. You had to offer the blood again. But the blood of Jesus was offered once for all time. Christ was the literal fulfillment of the Old Testament lamb, a sacrifice that miraculously delivered over two million people from slavery in Egypt. And again, I think it's amazing that God didn't use an army. Instead, he used the lamb to bring freedom and deliverance to the people of Israel because they'd been held captive by Pharaoh in bitter bondage for 430 years, but the Passover brought them liberty. But you may ask, but why a lamb? And why is Christ our Passover? What is the connection? Well, when you look at the Passover celebrations, you will see many tremendous, really striking similarities with Christ that are difficult to ignore or dismiss, even for the most hardened of critics. And the first thing we see about the Passover lamb, the lamb was perfect. Exodus 12:5, the lamb had to be without blemish. And so too Christ was the perfect uh, Passover. He is the perfect savior. The Bible says he was tempted yet without sin. Amen. And so, again, uh, seeing we've got a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Um, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let's therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, when you understand the Passover, when you have your faith in Jesus, you will be able to come boldly to the throne of grace. Because again, the Bible says that he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was completely without sin. Why? Because the lamb had to be perfect. Song of Solomon 5.16, his mouth is most sweet. Yes, yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. How many of you know you have a friend in Jesus? Amen. Glory to God. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And he is altogether lovely. And uh, ladies, if you're looking for the perfect man, you won't find him on Tinder or Match.com or even through the fake sweetness of a Hallmark movie. No, you need to look at Jesus Christ because there is no one like him and no one loves you like Jesus. Jesus, because it is he that teaches men and women to love and not to lust and not to use and abuse each other. He is altogether lovely. You see, the Romans could find no fault in him. Luke 23 and verse 4, Pilate turned to the leading priests and the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with him. Mark 15 and verse 55, it says, um, even the chief priests could find nothing against them. So they had to institute a fake and grossly unfair trial during the dark of night, and yet even then they couldn't prevail with their lies. Inside, the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death, but they couldn't find any. Many false witnesses spoke against him, but they contradicted each other. Finally, some men stood up and gave this false testimony. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days I'll build another made without human hands. But even then, they didn't get their stories straight. So again, the Bible is very clear that, you know what, Jesus was perfect. You know, even Herod didn't accuse him of anything. 
thing. Luke 23 and verse 8, Jesus was brought to Herod, but even Herod didn't accuse anything and sent him back to Pilate. And even the arch betrayer Judas declared in Matthew 27 verse 3, when Judas who had betrayed him saw that Jesus was condemned, he was filled with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. I have sinned by betraying innocent blood, he said. What is that to us, they replied. You bear the responsibility. So Judas threw the silver into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. You see, Christ was utterly, utterly sinless. John 14, verse 30. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Can you say that? Can you say Satan has nothing in me? There is no area in my life where there isn't an open door, whether it's pornography or alcohol or unforgiveness or bitterness or lust or fear or anxiety or whatever else, that there's no area. Jesus said he has nothing in me. The NIV, I will not say much more to you for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. Amen. And this is why in Passover, you know, the Jewish people will carefully, or the mother of the house will carefully search the house, you know, to ensure that there's no leaven in the house before Passover. And leaven is symbolic of sin. And so too, we must deal with the sin in our hearts. You know, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, Christ is a lamb without blemish and without spot. Amen. For you've not been redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. 1 Peter 2 and verse 22 says, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. He was a perfect lamb. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ was utterly sinless. Revelations 13 says he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before the world was even created, he was chosen by God to offer the perfect sacrifice on behalf of all men. Hebrews chapter 10. I know there's a lot of Bible verses, but it's important that we have a biblical foundation for what we're talking about. Hebrews 10, now the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats uh, could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you've prepared for me. In burnt offering and sacrifice for sin, you'd no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I've come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offering and sacrifice for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I've come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Amen. So the Bible talks about this offering was given once for all and every high priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So year after year, the priests would offer the, the Passover lamb. But it's interesting that in 70 AD, when Titus came and uh, he sacked Jerusalem, and, uh, and, and the, the Jewish people were scattered around the world, and from that time, uh, this Passover lamb has never been offered again. And I believe this is symbolic of how Christ is the Passover. Because once that lamb was offered, there was no need for any more lambs to be offered anymore. Jesus was offered one time for all men. And I appreciate that's a contentious issue with the Jewish people, but that is what we believe as Christians. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Passover lamb covered your sin, but Jesus, our Passover, takes away sin. That's why we don't have to be plagued by guilt and shame and condemnation. John 8 and verse 40 uh, John 8 and verse 42, uh, hallelujah, thank you Jesus. Jesus told him, if God were your God, you would love me because I've come to you from God. 
I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. Uh, for you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. And for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God and you know Jesus was these are very strong words but Jesus was very frank in saying that you know that, that there there is no other way to the father but through him amen so we thank you Jesus hallelujah therefore you do not hear because you do not you are not of God. That's John uh, 8:42 to 47. You know, no man in eternity will be able to accuse God of not understanding or caring. You see, Christ is a perfect and a sinless Savior, and one day he will return to judge all with perfect and terrifying justice. This is why we are living under a, a season of grace, a dispensation of grace, and you must take the grace of God right now because like I said, Christ is a perfect and sinless Savior, but one day he will return to this earth to judge all with perfect and terrifying justice. Because again, justice will be out without mercy in that day. And uh, Romans 2 and verse 5, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. There will be a day of judgment. There will be a time when all will be brought to life. Amen. But thank God that we're still living in a time of grace when we can receive Christ as our Passover. John 3 and verse 17 in the good news says, for God did not send his son into the world to be its judge, but to be its savior. This is why the gospel is good news. God wasn't out to condemn us. He wasn't out to write us off. He, was, he sent his son. God so loved the world. Firstly, the lamb was perfect. Secondly, the lamb was punished. I love that old song, Amazing Love. I'm forgiven because you are forsaken. I am accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amazing love. You see, the cross was no mere accident. God had predetermined that Christ would suffer and die. You see, justice demanded a sacrifice, and so God gave us his son. Amen. Isaiah 52 and verse 13 speaks of Christ. And it says, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high, just as many were astonished at you. So his visage was married more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. You see, Jesus was beaten. He was bloodied. He was punished. Amen. The lamb was punished. Isaiah 53 and 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yea, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of, uh, of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes... We are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Thank you, Jesus. Verse uh, nine. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich at his death because he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Hallelujah. I find it amazing that this was written approximately 700 to 740 B.C., hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was even walking on this earth. 
This was prophesied of him. He, he made his grave with the rich. Again, Joseph of Arimathea was a rich man who had a, grave, who had a, a, a tomb and, and, and placed Jesus in it. Here, Jesus was the Passover, literally fulfilling. You know, he was beaten. He was afflicted. Uh, his face was marred more than any man. He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. And so, again, uh, this is the beauty of God's redemptive plan. Because just as the Old Testament lamb was punished on behalf of the sinner, and this is the principle, the innocent literally taking the place of the guilty, so too Christ suffered on our behalf on the cross as our sinless substitute. Jesus fulfills the role of the Passover lamb. It's interesting that the matzah matzah bread used in the cedar or the Passover meal by the Jewish people, it's striped, it's pierced, and it's wrapped in a linen cloth, just like Christ our Savior. Amen? And so, again, there are so many parallels. It's fascinating. John 19 and verse 5. Then Christ came forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. At the cross, Christ was punished, standing in our place, bearing our punishment and shame. Behold our suffering Savior, beaten, mocked, spit upon, and stripes laid on his back. Yes, today's Easter Sunday, and we celebrate the resurrection, but I think it's important for us to get the context and understand why we celebrate, because Christ took our place on that cross. Christ was punished even though he had not sinned. Amen? And 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit. Uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 33, one of my favorite Bible verses. And uh, it says, but when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right hand, the other on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. Don't ever be afraid of being mocked by people. Remember, if you're ever mocked, remember Jesus was mocked before you. If you suffer, know that Jesus suffered before you. We have a Savior. We look at the cross and we're reminded that we have a Savior who understands suffering because he suffered on our behalf. And the people stood looking on. They mocked him. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, saying, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged, blasphemed Christ, saying, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, do not even fear God, seeing you're under the same condemnation. We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, as surely I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Even with his final breath, he is reaching out to an unsaved sinner. Glory to God. He is reaching out and extending God's grace. Now about the sixth star there was darkness over the whole earth until the ninth hour the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two and when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice he said father into your hands I commit my spirit having said this he breathed his last so when the centurion saw what had happened he glorified God saying certainly this was a righteous man even after he died he's still reaching sinners glory to God as the centurion responded to the to the glory of God in that moment God's glorious son dying in sin and shame in our place you see God turned his son away his face away from his son Jesus said in in uh, Mark 15 my God my God why have you forsaken me God turned his face away from his son on the, because Jesus on the cross became sin. And God cannot look on sin. And can we ever truly understand how Christ suffered uh, through this separation? Christ was punished even though he had not sinned. I love this in the Living Bible, 2 Corinthians 5.21. In the Living, it says, For God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. 
What an exchange. He took our sin, our filth, our failure, our past, and then he began to pour his goodness into us, his mercy, his love, his kindness. Amen. This is the great exchange that occurred at the cross. We receive life for his death, forgiveness for his punishment, and healing for his pain. He died that we might live. His suffering brought about our salvation. That's why Acts 1 3 says, To them he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. After his passion or suffering, he showed himself alive to them. And you know what? He's going to show himself alive to you. You may be in a tough place today, but remember, we celebrate the risen Christ. He sees you where you are, and he will show himself alive to you. He will manifest his promises. He will manifest his goodness. Like the psalmist said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. If there was, a, if there was people here, I tell you, people would be on their feet shouting praises to the Lord. And I'm believing to see that time again in Jesus name but you know what we're going to see his goodness in the land of the living first Peter 3 18 for Christ also suffered once for sin the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God he was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit the new living says Christ suffered for our sins once for all time he never sinned but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God hallelujah Amen. So this is the beauty. The lamb was perfect. The lamb was punished. Revelation 5, 6, I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God set into all the world even in eternity we see that you know one aspect of who he is is the lamb yes he's returning as the lion but he's also the lamb we can approach him as the lamb glory to God to those who are not saved and who he will return in judgment as the lion but thank God to us he is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world you see the lamb was perfect the lamb was punished and, la and lastly as I finish the lamb is peace. The lamb was peace. Is there anything more peaceful than a flock of sheep eating or grazing quietly in their pasture? You know, sheep are a peaceful animal and there's, you know, surely there must not be any more innocent animal than a lamb. I live in Wicklow and I love, when I go for a, a cycle and I, at this time of the year I look in the fields and I see the little lambs skipping. Do you ever see how they can just jump off their four, their four legs? They're just, they're just such an innocent looking animal and yes, for this very reason, no one in his right mind would ever use a lamb for protection. You know, there's nobody walking around with a lamb on a leash to protect himself or using a, 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 you know, a guard lamb. It just doesn't happen. And yet, this is what God in his wisdom directed the Israelites to do. The angel of death would kill the firstborn of all except for those who put the blood of a lamb over their door. Because even though God had protected the Israelites from the previous plagues, they weren't exempt from this final plague of death and destruction amen and so the only answer was to apply the blood and faith and so too in the same way we find peace and protection under the blood of Jesus we don't have to fear death or the destroyer because we have faith in the blood of Jesus you know, Exodus 12, 6 says the lamb was to be killed at twilight, and so too the sky went dark as Jesus was on the cross. Mark 15, 33, at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Even the sun refused to shine on what was happening. He was crucified at approximately 9 a.m. and dying at approximately 3 p.m., according to Mark 15. And so, again, they were directed, put the blood over the doors and the lintels. And it made no sense unless you understood the significance of the blood, which the Jewish people did. You know, all hell was about to be unleashed on the land, but God said, you will have peace and protection under the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And you know what? In this season, we declare ourselves and our families, we are under the blood. You know, did it make sense that a lamb would suffer and die so the Israelites could live? That a lamb would have pain, but that we would have peace? And this is why 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18 talks about, you know, the wisdom of God revealed through the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, For, God, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. 
Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. There are people who so, you know, uh, you know mock Christianity and, and look down, feel sorry for people of faith. I feel sorry for you if you do not know God. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Because when you take your final breath, you will discover that you lived a lie. Everything that you believe, lived for will have been a lie if you do not know Jesus as your Savior. Amen. Jesus said, what does a prophet of man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You must put your faith in Jesus Christ. And so the cross reveals the wisdom of God. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world for since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe for Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than man and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are you in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that as it is written he who glories let him glory in the Lord may we never glory except in the cross may we never glory except in our Savior you see the wisdom of God was revealed through the cross Colossians 1 19 for it pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. You see, we have peace only because our Passover purchased it for us through blood that he shed at the cross. It's interesting to consider that the blood of the Lamb was to be placed both over and across the lintels. You know what that was? The shape of the cross. We see the cross. You put the blood up there. You know what? The blood drips down. You put the blood there. The blood there. That is the shape of the cross. You know, thousands of years before the cross, God was, was declaring to mankind, there is a way that you can be safe. There is a way that you can be protected. There is a way that you can be delivered. There is a way that you can be safe, even from death itself. The cross. This is why I want to declare the Passover today. There is power in the Passover message. I look at it and I see Christ everywhere. 1 Corinthians 2, 7 and 8, no, we speak of the mysterious, hidden wisdom of God, which he destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You see, this is the beauty of the message. You know, the devil would never have sent Jesus to the cross if he understood. You see, it's a peace that is offered to both Jew and Gentile. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to you who are near. Ephesians 2.17, the new living. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him and peace to the Jews who are very near. Amen. That's why they're blessed people. God acknowledges they were near to him. We were far from him. But through Christ, we are brought, brought, both brought to him. This is why Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the lamb was perfect. The lamb was punished. The lamb is peace. The lamb was peace and is peace. Just as the children of Israel had peace, even though the angel of, the, of death and destruction was literally walking through their land, so too we have peace with God because of the Passover lamb. The lamb is peace. Therefore, we are no longer tormented by guilt or fear or shame. Somebody once said, that peace isn't the absence of trouble but the presence of Christ 
hey, there is no absence of trouble right now for us as pastors and particularly for, for Christians and for people throughout the nations. There is no absence of trouble. But you know what? Hallelujah. Peace isn't the absence of trouble, but rather it's the presence of Christ. That's why Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley. We've been going through some things over the last year. We've been going through some dark times and some major challenges. But you know what? We're going through it and we're going to come out the other side because he who began this good work, he's going to complete it. He is the author. He is the finisher of your faith. He is the alpha. He is the omega. Glory to God. You can't fail because you are under the blood of the lamb. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Though I walk through the valley, I will not fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Emmanuel, God with us. And one day, as 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, we will be with him. Christ with us, but one day we're going to be with him. And thus we shall ever be with the Lord, it says. Amen. In these dark and troubled times, we can access his peace. Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. This is a season you must ensure that the peace of God is guarding both your heart and your mind in Jesus' name. Don't go there in your mind, amen? Paul was suffering in jail, but he still enjoyed the peace of Christ, his Passover. You see, we can have peace with God because we know we're forgiven. We know we're loved. We know we're accepted in the beloved. Just like the, the, the woman in 2 Kings, she declared, even though her son had died, it is well. She declared, she had a confession of faith. She declared it as well. And some of you need to change your confession. Stop complaining. Just stop whining. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop cursing the darkness. Begin to declare the light. Begin to declare the word over your life in Jesus' name. You see... There is power when we declare his word. She declared it is well. You know what it was literally in the, in the Hebrew? She declared it is shalom. Amen. It is shalom because of the Passover. Hallelujah. Yes, you might have done that. Yes, you might have gone there. Yes, you may have fallen flat in your face. But you know what? It is shalom because of the Passover. It is shalom because of Christ, our Passover, and the blood that he shed. And God doesn't remember your sins anymore. It doesn't matter if it was two seconds ago. If you've repented and called on his name, the blood has cleansed you. And you're, you're feeling so and say, oh God, I hope you can and God's forgotten it it's gone thank you Jesus she knew that even though everything was wrong that God by his grace could make it right you see we're held by his peace we are kept by his power we rest in his love the lamb is everlasting proof of God's unconditional undying everlasting love for you and for me Romans 5 8 God demonstrates his own love towards us in the while we are still sinners Jesus Christ died for us amen first Corinthians 3 our first John 3 16 Again, uh, echoing this, and it says, 1 John 3, 16, By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. Hallelujah. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. You are loved. You may have been rejected. You may have encountered issues or you may have failed, but know this, you are loved. Please, child of God, know this. As you are watching, you are loved. Not where you want to be, but right where you are. Hallelujah. That is the grace of God. Unto him that loved us and washed us. He loved you before he washed you. He loved you right there when you were a whoring and involved in drugs and doing all the things you were doing in the past. He loved you there how much more does he love you here glory to God you are washed in his blood you are free you're a child of God your name is written in the Lamb's book of life heaven knows your name God loves you he celebrates you he has a plan and a purpose for you I know the plans I have for you says the Lord you know why because God so loved the world today just say to yourself I am loved I am loved you may have struggles you may have issues you may have all sorts of dysfunction but you are loved the Passover declares Christ our Passover declares that we are loved you see Exodus 3 God heard the cry of the Israelites he said I, I've heard their cry hallelujah the, the, the literal translation means that he felt their pain and he sent Moses to be their deliverer but in reality Moses was just obeying God the deliverance came through the lamb 
Because, you know, all of these plagues, nothing changed until the, the angel of death. But you know what? It was the lamb. God heard their cry and he will hear yours too. The children of Israel were enslaved over 400 years. Like I said, their situation seemed utterly impossible. And maybe some of you have been enslaved by habits, secret sins, issues, traumas, abuse, trials, addiction for 5, 10, even 20, 30 years. Today, you can walk free from that prison as the worship group come forward and as the uh, uh, I was about to say the ushers we don't have any ushers but as somebody could give out the elements we're going to finish by breaking bread we're going to finish by celebrating and honoring our Passover in Jesus name today God is going to do something in your heart because again, the children of Israel had dreamed and longed for freedom. Generation after generation had cherished this hope and passed it on to their children, but it was never realized until that one day their release from bondage finally came. It didn't come through an army or through a leader, but rather through a lamb. Rabbi, Mosef, Rabbi Morris Joseph said this, Passover affirms the great truth that liberty is the inalienable right of every human being. We look at the Passover and reminded that freedom is our right. Amen? It doesn't matter what kind of ideas our political um, philosophies are, are being pushed or what globalist agendas are at play. We know that freedom is our God-given right because it was purchased in blood. Hallelujah. God will never let us become slaves. And so while devastation and destruction was being poured out literally all around them, water being turned to blood, frogs, gnats, flies, livestock dying, boils, hails, locusts, darkness, and finally even death itself yet it never once touched them. They were at peace because of the Passover. And in these uncertain times, we know that peace and protection only comes through Christ, our Passover lamb. Listen, some of you are thinking, once the lockdown ends, I can be happy. No, you can be happy right now. You can rejoice in the Lord right now. And we know this lockdown is ending in the name of Jesus Christ. We call it ended in the name of Jesus. Our Passover gave his life at the cross. Hallelujah. But you know what? He arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. You know, the book of Luke addresses this in verse 24. They did not find the body of Jesus. It happened as they were greatly perplexed that two men came about them in shining garments and then they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth and they said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. You see, Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen from death. Jesus Christ is alive. Praise God forevermore. Jesus Christ is alive. He is risen from death. Praise you, Jesus. And so we're going to break bread together today because you might say, well, what is the connection? You know, Jesus appeared to Mary. And, you know, the Bible talks about how two of them are on the road to Emmaus. And the Lord appeared to them, but they didn't see him. That is, he started to reveal the scriptures. They still didn't recognize him until they constrained him. I know I've spoken a little longer than normal. I understand the wisdom that says it's online, just do a 10 or 15 minute message. I can't. Even if nobody's watching, I can't. I can't do it. I'm going to continue doing church as it should be done. And I believe in Jesus' name, the doors are going to be opened. And we're going to have people back here again. But I refuse to change what we're doing and start preaching perky little sermonettes. The Word of God is the truth. This Bible is what will determine where you will spend eternity. I believe it deserves our attention. But they didn't see Him. They constrained Him. And it says, we need to constrain the Lord. Amen. It came to pass. He sat at a table with them. They took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew Him and He vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? So as we eat of the bread and drink of the cup, let's remind ourselves that Christ is our Passover. 
Their eyes were opened as he broke that bread. And I pray that our eyes will be open to the Lord as well. And so we take this bread and we drink this cup and we're reminded that we are redeemed. We are redeemed from death, from destruction, from depression, from sickness, from poverty, from every work of Satan. We are redeemed. We have been purchased with blood. And we thank you, Jesus, on this Resurrection Sunday that we remind ourselves, hallelujah, that our soul has been purchased in blood. We have nothing to fear. We don't have to fear life. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear anything because we have been purchased with the blood of Christ, our Passover. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You know, before we finish the song, I just want to give you an opportunity today. Hallelujah. Can't wait till we have ushers back. And <laughs> Hallelujah. I just want to let you know Jesus loves you. And I hope and pray that you've stayed with us for this message. And I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, this is your moment. You can ask Christ into your heart right now. The Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the Israelites who were in Egypt didn't have to be perfect. The lamb had to be perfect. It was a lamb without blemish. It didn't mean that they were without blemish. We saw in the later chapters, they were far from perfect. They nearly drove Moses around the bend, but you know, this is the glory of the good news. We're not perfect, but He is. And He took our place. And you can receive forgiveness today. I don't know what you've done or how you've failed, but I know this, the Lord Jesus Christ loves you. And He purchased your soul in blood. So I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. And if you pray it, let us know in the comments below. And if you need a Bible, let us know. We love you. And just pray this prayer right now in Jesus' name. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in my heart that you were born of a virgin, that you lived a perfect life, and that when you died on the cross, you died in my place, bearing my sin and shame. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus Christ, and forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I accept you as my Passover lamb. Thank you for breaking every chain. Lifting every burden, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for washing me in your precious blood. Oh, we give you praise and glory. Hallelujah.